Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is the All right, am I on? There we go. Awesome. All right, well, everyone, uh, welcome uh, to Lord's Love Church. It's great to be with you guys this morning. So, uh, yeah, it's great to be in person again. I just want to say uh, welcome to you as well, for those of you who are online with us uh, today. Uh, for those of you uh, who are new with us today, if this is your first or second time, my name is Howard, and I'm the youth pastor here. And uh, it is my joy and honor uh, to be sharing God's word uh, with you this morning. Uh, before I start, I just want to pray and lift this message up. Uh, to God. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, God, that we get to come uh, and, and gather um, together as a church uh, to worship you, Lord. And we, Father, we, we thank you for your love and your grace, God, and, um, and, and that we are saved, that we have this relationship with you, and now that we get to respond uh, to you through worship, through singing, and, and through uh, listening to your word. So may your spirit be here uh, to, to guide our thoughts, uh, stir in our hearts, uh, that we will receive your word well. So we pray uh, that whatever that is um, that's bothering us, Lord, that we would, or, or whatever struggles that we are facing coming in this morning, Lord, may we uh, leave it at your feet and lift it up to you and surrender to you, Lord. So, so please speak, God. This is your message, and we're here to listen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so today we are actually um, doing a uh, two-part series, um, two-part series uh, on spiritual disciplines. Uh, it's going to be actually like three weeks apart, so today, and I'm going to preach on like the end of August, so it's going to be a bit of a long stretch. But nonetheless, it's still going to be two-part on spiritual discipline, and as you can tell from the top title, um, it's called Spiritual Formation. Um, it's very simple. I'm not that creative, so nothing extravagant, just spiritual formation. Um, but really, it's just uh, focusing more on our own spiritual growth, especially in light of everything that's happened since like last year until now. Um, I think what, what I felt God was speaking to me is, is to share uh, about uh, the importance of spiritual formation. And so uh, we are going to be focusing on developing tools that will help us further our growth in our spiritual walk and our relationship with Jesus. And so today we are going to be talking about the important aspect of having a strong foundation in our life upon Jesus, built, that's built upon Jesus. And then uh, three weeks later, we're going to talk about more of the spiritual discipline, like how we're going to incorporate spiritual discipline into our lives. So how did I come up, uh, come up with this theme, all right? I'm going to be honest, it was hard to come up with a theme, and I really need to pray and listen. And, and this year has been a roller coaster ride, and I'm sure for every one of us in here, uh, with work, with the COVID, and especially with the wedding planning. And you guys know, like, even before COVID, wedding planning is already, like, tough. So now, like, like add in, like, not knowing what is really going to happen uh, puts a lot more stress. And so, uh, that has been both a blessing where, uh, you know, we see God at work, but at the same time, it all was also a discouragement. So there are only a few times that I counted this year that I really felt rested. So I really didn't feel rested at all. And, but the most that I felt 
in a while, felt rested in a while was in my vacation, my honeymoon, which was like, I think two weeks ago, uh, in Tofino. And if you guys saw like, um, you know, Instagram posts from my wife, Lavelle, uh, you know that uh, we were in this luxurious glamping area called the Wild Pod, all right? So it's kind of like the bubble soccer, like material stuff, like, but you're in a, like a dome, all right? So you look out to the mountains, you wake up to the mountains and the water, and let me tell you how gorgeous it is. Except I'm not, like, I don't have enough money to keep going and staying, so we can only stay for a few days. Um, but it was great, and, and, and I felt so relaxed, and I felt so rested, and just being able to just sit and look at the mountain and water and doing devotions and, like, slowing down was what I needed the most. Um, and, and I haven't felt rested in a long time until that time, I, and, and that got me thinking. I haven't felt like this before, and, how, and that demonstrated how important it is for us to continue further in our spiritual walk uh, with God, um, so that our firm will be, uh, so that our faith will become strong and, and firm uh, upon Christ. So one thing I want to show you guys, I hope I get this right because I always get it wrong. There we go. Okay, so this is in Bahamas. Uh, I think this was in 2019 when there was like a huge hurricane hurricane called uh, Dori Dorian. And, uh, and I don't know if you guys have heard of it. If you guys can raise up your hand, have you guys heard of a hurricane, hurricane-proof house? Like a house that's like made to, like, to, last, uh, to stand against a hurricane. It's fascinating, actually. Like I was just, you know, while I was studying this topic, my mind was just curious, so I started searching. I'm like, I wonder if there's any house that's actually like built strongly against hurricanes or strong, uh, storms. And uh, there's this house um, that is uh, um, by the Deltec home uh, that built um, uh, homes to stand against hurricane. But let me tell you, the hurricane during in, uh, 2019 swept through the Bahamas, leaving behind a trail of devastation, including like a waist-deep flood and flattened homes. And the storm had killed at least 20 people, uh, could be more. Uh, Red Cross has reported that there were at least like 13,000 like, houses that were destroyed um, or damaged. Um, and then it was like a category five hurricane with a speed up to like 150, uh, 180 uh, per hour. But for the past 50 years, the design company Delta Homes has developed circular uh, houses that are especially resistant against hurricanes. So far, all of the company structures in the Bahamas seem to be actually survived uh, through the storm. So they actually, um, there were actually a few houses um, that survived because of uh, that company. And if you look at the diagram right here, this is how it's built, the circular part. Because the building is circular, okay, so wind tends to flow around them instead of putting pressure on the one side of a home. A sloping roof also deflects wind pressure as opposed to a flat roof, which can come loose during a hurricane. The company also uses impact windows, which are laminated and usually contain a synthetic inner sheet so that the glass doesn't shatter if it gets struck by an object. During a hurricane, a broken window can cause air pressure to rise and a house to blow apart from the inside. And so on top of that, the Delta Home has um, offered like hurricane straps uh, that tether a home's roof to the foundation, just attaching it uh, together. So why am I talking about this? <laughs> because the story shows, as an example, how important it is to have a firm foundation. And likewise, in our lives, we also need to have a firm foundation. And second, how you design and build a house, the size, the shape, the materials that you use actually matters a lot. You're not just putting lumber on, but you're putting other materials that make it stronger together along with the foundation. 
Likewise, how we build our foundation, meaning, uh, in our, meaning our life, is also very important. And most importantly, what's underneath our foundation, where we build our life upon, is even greater. Because it's the thing that's underneath that's upholding us. And so the big idea that I want to share with you guys this morning is that the base of your foundation shapes the outcome of your life. In other words, what you built your life on is what will what you built your life on is what will be the outcome of your life. And so the question that I want to ask you guys this morning is what is upholding your life? What is that thing underneath that is keeping you thriving in your life? So I just want to quickly go over uh, just some of the context a bit, uh, passage before. Uh, this passage that we read right here is actually the ending of uh, Jesus' teaching on uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 to 7. And before this, 21, 23, verses 21, 23, I'm just going to read it quickly. This is Jesus saying, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell you plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Essentially what is happening is that these people use God's name to carry out good deeds, but it's for their own benefit. It wasn't for God. Even though they used Jesus' name, they only used his name. But it was only to benefit themselves that they would look good in front of people. And so at the end, Jesus says, I never knew you. And then, and then let's go back even in the beginning, chapter 5, to the Sermon on the Mount. Because all of these teachings is what Jesus is concluding right here when we look later on. These uh, teachings. But if you're not familiar, Sermon on the Mount is from chapter, uh, chapters 5 to 7 in Matthew and proclaims the ethic, okay? Christian ethic that's important to Christianity. It's the teachings about what the kingdom of God looks like practically for us as we carry out God's kingdom as we partner with him in the way that we treat people. Jesus was teaching them how to live in ways that will align with his kingdom. So for example, I'm going to quote from N.T. Wright, this uh, scholar and theologian, about the Beatitudes, all right? So Israel all along have thought about a Messiah coming to save them. And they thought that this God, that this Messiah will help them take revenge. So this is what N.T. Wright says. Israel longs for consolation, comfort. But Yahweh, God, has in mind to give her not the consolation of a national revival in which her own wounds will be healed by inflicting wounds on others, but the consolation awaiting those who are in genuine grief. Israel desires to inherit the earth. She must do it in Jesus' way, by meekness. Israel thirsts for justice, but the justice she is offered does not come in by ways of battles against physical enemies. It is not the way of anger, of a justice, which really means vengeance. It's the way of humility and gentleness. Israel longs for mercy, not least the eschatological mercy of final rescue from her enemies. But mercy is reserved for the merciful, not the vengeful. So Jesus coming in here, teaching the Sermon on the Mount, he's changing their perspective. All along, they thought the Messiah would help them conquer their enemies. But Jesus is saying, no, this is how you're going to act. Instead of, like, take, instead of striking back, you're going to love them. You're going to care for them. And so after all this, and then Jesus calls out the false disciples, we have right here in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears uh, these words of mine and puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Sorry, the first point I want to make is that Jesus is the cornerstone who upholds our lives. Just to make that clear, 
All right, now we're going to go into that passage that I just read. So as Christians, followers of Jesus, what counts in our life and our faith is our submission and our obedience. What matters the most is not us hearing or listening to God's word, but it's actually like act, it's responding to it through obedience. The first word that Jesus says right here is therefore, which is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Take note of the two things, all right? The hear these words of mine and put them into practice. Two things. It's not just hear the words, but actually to practice them out. What Jesus desires for us is not just to listen on Sunday morning or, or just during Bible study, but to actually live it out. And that's what he wants us to do, is to submit and to obey. And Dietrich, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, Jesus doesn't allow his hearers to go away and make of his sayings what they will, picking and choosing from them whatever they find helpful and testing them to see if they work. But we could understand and interpret the Sermon on the Mount in a thousand different ways. Jesus knows only one possibility, simple surrender and obedience, not interpreting it or applying it, but doing it and obeying it. That is the only way to hear the word. So, <clears throat> excuse me, just to give you an example, I, uh, so uh, Lavelle knows a bit basic, um, um, basic technique for boxing. So she has boxing gloves and, and those mitts, and, and I don't know anything. Um, I tried to learn. Um, so she was teaching me the basic, you know, the, the numbers one, two, six, where she calls out the number and you got to duck and punch. And, you know, it, it's okay. It took me a while to, to get used to it. Um, but it's actually much harder than it looks, let me tell you that. And so after uh, learning some of the movements, I sparred a, a bit with her. Uh, but I told her, I don't want to go hard because I don't want to hurt you, just in case if suddenly like, we get so into it that suddenly I hurt her. And little did I know, I, after I dodged one, I made a mistake. And the next thing I knew, I, I blocked the punch with my face. All right? So that's not what you're supposed to do, right? <laughs> Block the punch with your face. So this is the point. That's why it is not enough to just hear the numbers or just hear the instruction right there, but more so how you learn and improve is through many times of practicing. Just practicing one isn't going to get you anywhere. And it's only when you keep practicing, practicing, practicing that you develop those skills and, and the confidence to carry it out. Or else if you don't do that, you're going to become like me and block punches with your face. And so the purpose is the same thing for that Jesus' teaching isn't just for us to listen to on Sundays, but to really obey his teaching, to really live it out. And, and because as we live it out, and, and as the Spirit works in us, that's when our action, our lives align more, is congruent with God's kingdom. So Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man built, who builds his house on the rock. Okay, so the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew. Actually speak about God's final judgment when we're going to see him face to face. Now, Jesus gives a parable right here, an analogy, and compares those who practice what he teaches to a wise man building a house on a rock. And if you uh, haven't figured out yet, the rock right here means Jesus. And so Jesus' point is this. For, for a house to be sturdy and firm that won't collapse and break down, its foundation must be on rock because it's solid and it upholds the house. Now, let me give you a scenario, right? Like if, uh, let's just say, whether it's, you know, if you go to a new house or in your own home, right? Like if every time the, if every time the cars pass by or a truck pass by and it shakes, what would be your first thing in your mind? Like the question. 
I don't know about you, but my question would be like, is this, for, is this foundation, is this actually firm? Like, is this solid? Like, can I trust my contractor, my builders? <laughs> or, am I, or is this going to collapse on me, right? And, and let me tell you a few times in my house, the reason why I bring it is because sometimes when I live on the big streets, the trucks come down. And that was the first time I thought about it because my house starts shaking. I'm just like, what is going on? Like, I hope this is safe. Um, but nonetheless, what, one, the point again is that the foundation is important. And so right here, those who obey Jesus' teachings are people who will be transformed by him to live an authentic life that will bring honor and glory to him. So the question I want to ask you guys is, is your life, your current foundation built upon Jesus? And with the busyness and demands in life, your responsibilities, is your life continuing to be built on Jesus? It will show whether it's the trials that you face now or when you see God face to face. So let's move on. The second point I want to make is that the worldly values and possessions can't uphold our lives forever. It may seem enticing. It may seem very enjoyable at the time. But at the end of the day, it's not going to give you much gain when we see God in person. So Jesus compares right here to, uh, compares a person who listens but doesn't obey to a foolish man who builds a house on sand. I mean, come on, right? Like, logically speaking, who builds a house on sand? So sand here means the worldly values and uh, worldly things and values. And Jesus right here is using this example uh, because he's speaking uh, in the first century uh, pal- um, uh, first century language uh, for uh, language, where the, pal- the homes in Palestine were not built with foundations. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, their, their stability depended up, uh, entirely upon the ground on which they were built. So a house built on sand might look fine in a dry season, like great, but when the rings come and the dry uh, w- uh, weight is built, floods might sweep away a house that is not on a rock. So I, I find it kind of fascinating that Jesus will use this example because the um, um, Palestinians were, were working with, you know, the Roman Empire and, um, and, and you know, they have power and, and possession, right? But yet they're building their house not on sturdy foundation. And so Jesus right here is saying, you know what? If you're going to build your house on a rock, it's going to stand much stronger than a house that's built on sand. So the question I want to ask you guys, are you living God's will? Or are you living in your own will? Is there a current thing in your life that's taking priority in your mind that's distracting you from focusing on God? And let me tell you, I've, I've experienced that a lot, uh, like, I share, I, like I shared earlier. But some, a lot of times, there are things in our lives that distract us, that take priority over our mind, where we focus more on that, and we depend on that, that we put our life on that, that we forget about Jesus and how he's the ultimate rock that upholds our life. So if your life is built on worldly values and possessions, it may seem enticing, enjoyable, but short-term gain. Your foundation, your life, will reveal its sturdiness in the trials that you face, again, and when you see God face to face. And here's the thing. One day, when we leave this earth, even if we have wealth, fame, possessions, great job status, and money, really, none of it will be coming with us. Like, if you guys think about, like, Steve Jobs, right? I mean, like, he, he did great with Apple. Like, I mean, I have this products right now. I spent lots of money. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, and I'm sure that all of you guys have, a majority of you guys have Apple products, and it's great. And he built a legacy here. But at the end of the day, he's not here anymore. He doesn't get to take his Apple, his product, or anything with him. Everything is left behind. So likewise, just a perspective for us. 
It doesn't matter what we own. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter anymore when we see Jesus face to face. But right here, what Jesus is saying is that if we're going to hold on to worldly values, we're going to see for ourselves in the final judgment when we see God face to face. So God's word that I want to say, God's words and teachings shapes us to live our life to this fullest. And, um, and we're going to see like in the next verses, uh, 28, 29, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus held authority um, in the way that he teaches, and then people right there back then can tell that there was a difference between him and the teachers of the law. And I don't know if you guys are familiar, but in Matthew, Matthew recorded a lot of Jesus saying, but you have said this, but let me tell you this. So when Jesus makes phrase like this, what he's saying is that this is what you are known to, this is what you've been taught or what you think it is, but let me tell you what it's not and what it is, right? Again, the Jewish people all along thought that God would come and help them fight against their enemy. But what God is saying is, no, this is not what I want. I want you to learn to live out love, to care for other people. And so because of Jesus' teaching, people were amazed because they knew that he taught with authority. So conclusion of all the, of these two contrasts, Jesus' instructions and teachings aren't there to make our life miserable or to make it less enjoyable. May I tell you that? Or to, where he is giving us a to-do list. I know sometimes it may seem like that's what Jesus is telling us to do, giving us to-do lists, you know, check it off. This is what we're supposed to do in order to feel better, to feel good. But his teachings actually serve to give us life because it's through knowing him that we discover more of who he is, his character, and what he continues to be up to in this world. And in addition, we also discover more of who he has created us to be, and we discover our calling and purpose in life. And that's where we become more filled in life. And so Jesus, essentially, his instructions is to teach us how to live so that we will be living a life that actually counts, that actually matters, that is not holding on to the possession, the material worldly things or the values of this world, but to hold on to his word as a source of the ultimate foundation that upholds our life. You know, I don't know about you guys, I hated going to elementary and high school. And, and obviously, majority of that's because I really sucked at school. I get terrible grades, and that's probably why um, I hate it. But it took me a while to see the value of actually being educated and, 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 thank, and thank God for, for teachers, um, for, for teaching. Um, because I realized all along that it's actually good for me. Like all the assignments that we get, the assignments, the homework, you know, the, the lessons, yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, like we have to do like our homework. But at the end of the day, the reason why we're being educated is so that we can gain knowledge, so that we can learn how to solve problems, learn to see things in different perspective. So if you think about it this way, right, like if you weren't educated, your knowledge right now won't be as good as if you were being educated. And so education is meant to build, to challenge our thinking so that we can think deeper and further to learn how to solve problems, to see, learn how to see life in different ways. And so it's not meant to harm us or um, another example that I want to say is chores. Some of you guys might like chores. I don't like chores. Um, but you see, you may have hated doing chores as a child, 
you're like, oh, man, my parents are making me wash the washroom again, and I just did it like an hour ago. You know, it really sucks. But you see, the thing is, when our parents give us right back then, we don't see it. But parents, I assume, um, I shouldn't assume, but I'm, I'm guessing right here, is that the reason why they give us chores is so that we learn how to be clean. Because when we become adults, no one's going to clean our toilets for us, right? Or shouldn't. Um, but you see, it was implemented so that we develop good habits so that we would do it in the future. So again, the point that the same concept applies here. God's instruction isn't meant to make our life miserable, to give us a to-do list, but it's supposed to give us life so that, he is the, so that we know which path to take in our life. So knowing what the base of our foundation rests on and how we build it matters. And, and you know, uh, with my story, uh, my uncle actually passed away in 2019, just before COVID, um, and a friend a year later passed away in uh, 2020. Uh, and, and that was more sudden, because I think that was like, he had cancer, and it was like less than six months, and he passed away. Um, and, and it really made me realize how precious life is, that life is a gift from God, that ultimately we are created to, to be here, we're created to know him, our creator, we are created to enjoy him and his creation. And not only that, but we also get to love, to experience what love is, to love and to be loved, to have family, to have friends, you know, and, and to have all different aspects of relationship. So how we live our lives here actually matter. What and how we build our lives matter even more. And so two things I've learned, that life and death are real. One day, we will leave this earth. Don't know when, but we will. And all the possessions that we ever own won't matter anymore. And second, a solid foundation upon Christ gives us the backbone to face the trials that tests our life and faith right here. And ultimately, it will bring us to Jesus and we get to live with him in eternity. So all together, we need to come back to the cross, to the gospel where Jesus died for our sins to give us new life and a different way of living. Jesus always knows what's best for us. He, know, he knows ahead of time that we are sinful, but yet he still chooses to forgive us, to redeem us, to send his son Jesus to die on the cross so that we can have a second chance and live a new way. And along with that, so that our mistakes and our sins will no, will no longer define us. But what Jesus is calling us to do is to turn away from our sins, to walk away from our sins and turn the other way, to repent and to turn to him. And God has given us his word right here, right? Like we're given the Bible to read. And, and right here is we get to see the bigger picture of how great and loving God is despite of our sins. Yet as we read his word, he is also leading us to the right paths in life through the work of his Holy Spirit. So when we, when we read his word, so even though we face trials and, and our life is being tested, we can still continue firm in our faith, knowing that Jesus is everything. And, and we can continue moving on. So question I want to ask you guys again, the same question, what is your foundation, your life built on? What's the vision and goal that you have set for your life? Are they aligned with God's heart, or is it based upon the worldly values of this world? I believe there is something we can do to build our foundation, our life on Christ. First is resting in God's presence, spending time with him and dwelling in his word, like I did in um, Tofino, and, and that was great. And I want to encourage you guys that in the midst of the busy times in this world, especially in light of everything that's been happening in this world, 
to really make it a priority to, to really just sit still and spend time with God. It's only in those times that the other things that we are ever concerned or worried that those distractions will go away. Let me tell you that, that every time I spend time with God, I, I sense so much peace and comfort. Sabbath, day of rest. Take a day off from work. Don't look at your emails. I know it's very tough for some of you guys. Don't look at your emails. Um, you know, and, 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 and to rest. And we're going to look more into how we're going to rest with spiritual discipline uh, three weeks later. And last one is obedience. Simply, not just to listen, but to actually live it out, to do it. So let me tell you, ask you this. So imagine this in your head, right? Uh, what would your life look like if you had a consistent routine of dwelling in God's word and living in obedience with his will? What would that look like? Um, a few changes that I see that I can, I can tell when, when we actually dwell in God's presence. First of all, strong faith, like I said, that nothing will, will stir us apart. Even if we face unforeseen circumstances, we're not going to fall. That at the end of the day, we're still going to know and believe that God is faithful. Whatever trials that we face, that God's faithful, that he's loving, that he's gracious, that he's merciful. That at the end of the day, that, that he's there for us. Second of all, when we dwell in God's presence and build our foundation, we have a firm identity, meaning that we won't lose our identity. So even with the worldly pleasures and pressure, the demands of this world, we won't feel empty if we aren't living or performing in accordance to the worldly standard or, or if we don't have certain possessions in our life that we will still not lose our identity or feel empty. And let me tell you, being honest, that I'm not preaching as one right now who knows everything. I still struggle with this to make it a constant routine. But through like my different times of rest and the recent one, it really showed me again like how important it is to have a consistent routine, uh, to, to really just spend time with God and, and to further our faith and um, our life. So today we are looking at the building our life. We looked at it, and then uh, three weeks later we're going to look at spiritual discipline. But how we live our life here matters, and Jesus wants our submission and obedience. The base of our foundation shapes the outcome of our lives. At the end of the day, don't you want God to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you, God, that, uh, that you love us so much despite our sins, that you died on the cross for our sins, and, and that you conquer sin and death, and that we have new life, that we have this relationship, that we get to gather in a community to worship you. And God, may your spirit continue to remind us, Lord, that you are the, the rock, the, the cornerstone of our life to further our life, Lord, to, to strengthen us in our faith that we can trust in you, that though we face different difficulties and trials in this lifetime, that ultimately, Lord, that you are the backbone of our faith, that you're there to uphold our lives. When people and, and, and things in this world fail us, God, you never fail. So we're so thankful, God, for your love and your grace, God.